Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Product in LA podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Cole, and this is an opportunity to shine the spotlight on some of the exceptional product leaders we have as part of the LA product community. And on today's episode, very excited to have Mark Levi join us. All right, Ethan, how you doing? Doing great. Really excited to have you here, Mark. Right. This episode is brought to you by Uruit, a new sponsor to the show. Uruit, U-R-U-I-T dot com. They're a team of strategists, product managers, designers, and developers that build digital solutions that wow customers and stakeholders alike. Formed in 2007, they're now a team of 100 product enthusiasts. They've delivered over more than 150 products. To learn more about their services, check them out at uruit.com. That's U-R-U-I-T.com. We're also brought to you by the Product Managers Association of Los Angeles, available at pma.la. They put on monthly events. It's a meetup group of local product managers in Los Angeles. They have over 2,500 members. An upcoming event in October 27th in Marina del Rey, speaking on uh, enterprise product management and how that differs from some B2C product management. They also have a mentorship program where they connect working product managers with students from underrepresented groups to create a more diverse and better next generation of product people. You can check that out at pma.la slash mentorship. As I mentioned, our guest today is Mark Levy. Very excited to have him. Mark is the Senior Director of Product Marketing at OpsMX, and his past roles have included Director of Product Marketing at MicroFocus and Serena Software, as well as VP of Product at Sidirian Software. And uh, one interesting fact about Mark is that he's focused on DevOps before it was cool. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to learning more about uh, your journey into product and DevOps and you know, as product is a hard field sometimes to break into, there's no way to go to school for it. At least it wasn't for the previous generation, the working generation. Excited to learn about how did you get into product, Mark? And then also, how did you go from product into product DevOps? Yeah. Love to hear the story. Okay, good, good. What It's been a great journey. Thanks for inviting me, Ethan. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've, and I've been based in LA my entire career, which is, you know, an amazing thing, too. We'll talk a little bit about that, but you know, yeah. uh, just a little background uh, on, on sort of how I got here <laughs> is, uh, you know, I didn't and start out this way, and, and typical, you know, you, you there's a, a lot of pivots uh, along the way, um, but I actually studied uh, music. Uh, I was a composition three major in college, and and when I was in college, uh, you know, I w I wanted to uh, be the next Stravinsky, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I was teaching guitar at one, you know, during one Christmas, my students left and, um, I took a temporary job. It was supposed to be a six week job, you know, and decades later, I'm still here. And it was in it. I started out in it. The thing that kept me here originally was it, at first is, um, I got introduced to computer languages and, uh, being a composition major, you know, so I came through you know, basically development. And I love computer languages. I studied computer languages and I spent a uh, first part of my career as a software developer. So I came and I loved it. Um, I came 
you know, through the development organization into product in, into the product side of the house. But it still, I spent a decade really as a software developer and an R and D manager. Okay. Um, and I learned a lot. And when I first started, um, product management as a discipline in software was not, um, not a formalized thing. You know, it was just starting to ramp, ramp up. Um, developers generally, uh, you know, were sort of driving. It's amazing how it circles around. Uh, we, you know, and, and I was, um, I was a developer that was always into like prototyping new features and new things and showing working, you know, late at night to, to, you know, create the secret sauce. And, uh, and my first interaction with our product management team, uh, was I developed this prototype that, uh, sort of remotely managed this environment that I was working in, in, in network system management area. And, and the head of product management saw it and immediately squished the project. <laughs> and and I, he goes, there's no way we can do that. That would cannibalize our current revenue stream if you release that. And that was my, and, and, and my position was at first, and I was at the time a lead software developer, you know, my, my position was, well, if we don't develop it, then someone else will. Right. So, and it was sort of my first um, lesson, you know, in, in product in, on the product management side. And sure enough, someone did, you know, uh, and I, this was a one main sort of lesson that I learned throughout my career. I, I faced this career, you know, this problem several times is that it, it, with innovation, you know, um, if you don't do it, someone else will. You're not going to be the only one. There's a lot of people chasing the dollar. And there's a lot of bright people out there. And you're not the only one. And so it. So that was sort of my first lesson, uh, interaction with product management. And and I, so I have sort of these, uh, you know, lesson learned things among my journey. And so I, I from there I became a, a R&D manager, and I was managing R&D teams. And uh, here's the next sort of law that I learned. You know, okay. with product management is uh, if you don't do your job, someone else will, you know? <laughs> and, and we, you know, at the time, like I mentioned, product management at the time was a pretty new discipline in, in software uh, development companies. And um, ours were pretty weak. And I was, uh, I was prom- I'm an RD manager. I want to promote my team. Right. And I could talk and I knew the, knew the technology. I knew the releases. So I ended up sort of, you know, going out and the sales guys ended up bringing me on calls and I ended up doing, you know, sort of the demos and the presentations and, and, uh, you know, uh, I ended up sort of doing the PM job in a lot of ways and I liked it. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I loved working with customers. I loved working with understanding the market. I wanted to have a bigger impact than just, you know, writing code. Um, and so at the time, that was when I was asked to come over and, you know, this is sort of when I came over to the dark side, right? Uh, from, from engineering <laughs> R&D into product management. And I was asked to do that. And, uh, and I said, yeah, because there were some really exciting things at the time. We were at this time, we were just starting to um, correlate 
Uh, and so I've my background's always been around system network management enterprise uh, at the enterprise market. Uh, you know, managing, okay. managing performance of systems. Uh, you know, and eventually software delivery with DevOps, and we'll get there. So at, at an enterprise level, this is you were mainly B two B large company. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I mean that that is my core background. Um, so um, yeah, always large companies, and um, and so at the time we were really interested in you know this idea of well, how does user experience correlate with performance? You know of the infrastructure that supports it. And, and uh, you know, how do you measure, how do you do root cause, you know, to a problem if a, if a user has a problem or how do you understand business impact? If you have some type of problem in your infrastructure, what's the business impact? So yeah, how to measure. Yeah. And how to measure and correlate and present it. And, you know, a lot of our customers, which were like the biggest banks in the world and insurance companies and stuff like that, they really needed that kind of, uh, you know, solution at the time. And so I, I got into PM, you know, right around then. It was sort of early 2000s, you know, uh, internet, post-internet uh, boom and, and, and bust. Right. Uh, pretty exciting. Um, the start of, of application service providers. So I was involved in that initiative too, you know, um, so there's a lot of exciting things going on. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I started to, you know, look at product management seriously, you know, as a discipline to work with and, and realize that there were a lot of different skills that you have to have other than just technical uh, skills. I mean, you have to have the respect of your of your dev team, um, but you also working with sales, working with marketing. You know, I mean, uh, working with management. You know, managing up was uh, you know all these skills really. I you had to sort of develop on the fly. For me, I did. You know, uh, but yeah, it was a, a very uh, exciting time, and I spent um, a, a number of years, of course, uh, in product management. Um, the other thing I would say is uh, just, you know, I'm sort of reflecting, you know, on, on, on sort of my, my career and stuff um, is, you know, I probably launched close to 10 version one products or something like that. I mean, you know, it's very much different from, from, uh, you know, maintaining, and I've also maintained very large multi-million dollar, you know, thousands of customers, uh, you know, uh, mature products. Um, and, you know, those are just different types of skills and, and, and approaches that you have to manage. And, and I like that diversity, you know, I mean, it, it all falls under PM. It does. And, and, uh, you know, it, you truly can be the CEO of the product, you know, they say that they position that solution, but you have to prove yourself, you know, you, I mean, it's, it's like I said, if you don't do it, someone else will, it, you know, you have to tell, you have to be able to tell the story with numbers, you know, to back it up. It's not about your opinion. Uh, you know, I mean, that could, you could, you can ride on that so far for only so long, you know, with your experience and stuff. But um, I found, you know, it was more um, a very data intensive position 
you know, and that you need to, I found for me to be successful, I had to ensure that I had many different data feeds, you know, on, on, you know, the market, on um, how we were doing, on uh, our solution, uh, you know, and then based on that data, you know, come to some conclusion on where we want to go, you know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting that, that metaphor of the mini CEO, uh, I've definitely found it challenging because yes, you, you are responsible for this product, but unlike the CEO, you're not the boss. You don't get to be, you you have the, uh, you don't have the authority. So you're really, it's like a, a CEO who's, really a serv- who's actually a servant leader, which is never really seen, you know, it's, yeah. uh, you have, you're still at the, the mercy really of, you know, engineering and sales and marketing you can influence them. But this, this idea that you are the CEO, you're in charge of, uh, yeah. you know, the overall product, it falls flat. Once it comes, it comes down to someone disagrees with you. And well, this, this is it. You don't have the absolute authority, right. The, in a lot of, a lot of times, you know, but- right. But what you, what, you know, so what I, you know, I had to do and what I would recommend is again, you got to let data others do the talking. Okay. I've found really early in my career, like it's not, I got, if I don't, I, I got to get my customers to talk for me, to get Gartner or Forrester or the analysts to talk for me. I'm just the, you're the PM's just the conduit, right? We're the channel, you know? Um, and if I do that, then I'm just doing my job, right? You know, it's not, I may make observations and stuff, but that could get shot down. But if, if I have, you know, data, my, my decisions are based, if they're based on real data that I can show, who, you know, the, the head of sales or whatever, or the CEO, then I've done my job. And then he can make, you know, ultimately the business decision, right? So, so Mark's third law is let, let someone else do the talking for you. Yeah. Let, and, and let it be, you know, based on, on data, you know, on numbers, um, you know, because, uh, because, you know, ultimately you're right. Uh, you know, the CEO has a responsibility to, if it was a public company, the shareholders, and he's the ultimate, um, you know, the buck stops there and they can make that call, you know? So, so that, you know, I found that, you know, and, and that, that was great. So, uh, yeah, so I, you know, did that. I, I, I sort of, um, around 2005 or so, I left sort of the enterprise space and went into a startup. I never did a startup. I, we did a startup like within a large company before, you know, I've done that. And, and, and one thing I was, was going to say is back to like, um, I've launched probably 10 1.0s or something like that. I, I, I want to say maybe two or three actually were successful. So there's a lot of failure there. Uh, 20%, not, not too bad. Not yeah, too bad. that's actually, yeah. I, I probably, yeah, two, 20% is a probably good, pretty good number. Uh, so failure along the way was, you know, of course, uh, enlightening. And, and uh, you know, no one ever likes it, but you end up learning, you know, quite a bit. I think the key thing is to fail fast. Right. Uh, and this is back to the sort of the DevOps culture and, um, and the whole lean management thing, which I'm such an advocate of, is fail- failure is okay. You learn and, and everyone fails. That's not good. But it's like, can you try and fail as fast as you can? 
you want to, uh, you know, how do you do that? Well, you know, you want to try and incrementally, you know, deploy, right? You know, whatever, whatever you're working on to test, to get to that um, failure as quick as possible. So you can, you know, zig and zag, uh, you know, success is not linear, right? The success is, uh, you know, up and down and there's a J curve and all that kind of stuff. So you want to be able to, that's one of the big uh, lessons learned that, um, that, I found, that I found out. No big bang projects, uh, you know, and, and Agile's, Agile's helped, of course, you know, along the way. Um, you know, you really want small batch loads. Think of that as a PM as well. Um, you know, and I think that, and back to the MVP kind of concept. Um, so anyway. You double, would you be able to double click into your, you know, small batch loads and as it may relate to, to one of those launches? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there, there is, um, a couple things. Yeah. Is, uh, at least one of the, one of the success things we did, there's two things successful that of, of the sort of releases I did. One was, um, the first one was to really, it was re replacing a, a, uh, a legacy large revenue stream with a new, you know, uh, service provider cloud platform, um, you know, angle and on the product that we did. And, um, and the way, you know, I think that both actually, both of my successes, I would call, uh, had sort of a follow the similar model. Um, you know, IT, it was myself and the main architect. Okay. So I had like the chief architect and myself were sort of assigned this, um, this, uh, sort of, uh, early project and, um, and we bootstrapped, you know, with, had a core set of customers that we recruited and worked closely with to get sort of an MVP real quick. Right. And okay. it, much like that process, and then 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 launched, controlled launched it to a, sort of a larger group, sort of like progressive delivery kind of thing. You had it. We had a small blast radius. We had a good idea. We validated it with uh, a core set of our uh, customers. We then um, then you know ran it across uh, you know the, the typical analyst firms. Right and got their feedback and got their input and got their buy-in, okay, which was always good because you because you're going to go back to them later, uh, you know, analysts, good or bad, they're they're a very valuable tool. They listen. A lot of customers listen to them, and and so you want to get them involved in in the process. So early review cycles with them. So uh, you're talking about working with Gartner or Forrester yeah. analysts and. Soliciting feedback from either prototypes or early yeah. launch yeah. versions. Yeah. So before the, when, at sort of at the requirements stage release, going to them and saying, here's our, our, where we're headed. So you sort of give them the roadmap and where we're going, what's their feedback and input, use them as a foot feed. I, I, when I talk to them, I'm, I, it's like talking to a hundred customers or something. Right. Uh, I mean, mm. sometimes you got to, Sometimes you gotta like, um, you know, uh, reconcile their opinions. But um, but anyway, yeah, using them and and a, a core set of customers, and then then control releasing it out. Um, 
And really, the, the, the biggest problem we had in, in a lot of senses was internal. You know, and this was a large software uh, company hmm. as well. Uh, was negotiating the policy politics internally, but um, but it was again typical iterative, you know, get a minimum uh, viable product out there, test it in the real world, get feedback, and then improve, and then iterate, you know, the next several releases very quickly to to get enough momentum so that your sales teams, you know, your sales leadership. Uh, you know, is encouraged, right? In, in any of these instances, do you have, you know, a small number of clients and a small customer base? So, you know, were you ever at one where there was like 10 customers? And so when releasing this new product, you know, you weren't able, you could dog food it and you could slow roll out. But, you know, once you rolled out to your, to your customers, you only had 10 to work with. Is, do you ever work in, in that small of an enterprise space or with these larger enterprise organizations with larger number of customers. I have worked in, in that. Uh, and that is a lot, of, you know, in some ways harder, of course. Right. Because you got to get past the 10. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's when you got to talk to your product marketing friends. <laughs> you know, okay. Uh, but, uh, and, 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 uh, but, um, but that is, um, you know, that again, back to sort of that MVP lean iterative uh, model, which most people are sort of uh, aware of, um, you know, all makes sense and failing fast and all these kinds of, of um, you know, sort of best practices that uh, DevOps has sort of taken up, right? And, and, uh, and so I got involved in that in 2008, started in, in software delivery, you know, I went to work for a company called Serena Software and they were into uh, software change management. And again, uh, the same kind of thing happened is uh, we had a core set of customers that said, okay, you've done real good and we can manage, you know, version control and manage our dependencies in our, in our software, but we're having a heck of a time deploying and releasing software into production and I, we need your help. And once again, the same kind of model, I teamed up with the, the company architect. We spent, you know, uh, nine to 12 months, uh, you know, going to our a variety of our customer sites, understanding what their problems were, prototyping a, a quick version, you know, rolling it out, getting a core set of customers and sort of bootstrapping, you know, that business. And that was, you know, and, and one thing I saw, um, I mean, amazing going to some of these, some of the largest companies in the world, uh, you know, what kind of problems and nightmare they were having and how much effort and time, you know, uh, that they were putting into deploying and releasing software. I mean, and these were a lot real bright people, very bright, smart. Uh, they had very complex systems. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so it was a very hard problem to solve and it's still a hard problem to solve. And we saw that, um, you know, developers wanting to push change, yet operations wanting to mitigate risk. And so as a product manager, you know, you're, you're sort of, you got, there's a cultural thing going on too, you know, where you got half the side of the house, 
wanting, got to move change, got to do features. You know, the business is driving that. Yeah, go, go, go. Go, go, go. And then you got IT ops saying, well, we got to mitigate risk and we got compliance and we got audit, you know, all this stuff. And this is how, you know, really DevOps uh, sort of, you know, grew up, became uh, a, a phenomena, a movement. You know, there were people trying to solve this, you know, um, and finally they, they aggregated into this movement and, and started developing and codifying uh, practices. Uh, and they, they took from different industries, right? They took from the automotive industry, you know, around lean and, and agile, of course, from software development. And, and, and they realized it was a cultural thing and communication and automation. And so, you know, it was just a, a incredible experience to see that because, um, and it continues on, of course, today. Where, where, and following that line, where do you see it going tomorrow? Do you see, where do you see product fit into DevOps and where do you see DevOps going, you know, next five, 10 years? Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, they're still not done, right? It's like, it's like the company I work uh, for now, OpsMX. We have our, our sort of vision statement is to uh, deliver software without human intervention. You know, which is a wow. very lofty goal. Yeah. Right? So, you know, the idea is, uh, you know, what are the constraints in the system? You know, if you really, if you back up and you sort of, uh, uh, you know, click out uh, and take a broad high level view of DevOps and the objective, it's, it's really to remove the fr all friction, right? From you got a business idea and you have cut to customer value. Okay, from the time the business has an idea to the time it becomes customer value, you know, which is this sort of value stream, you know, how do you optimize? How do you remove, what are the constraints? And there are a lot of, a lot of constraints. And it's not, uh, and we've found it's not just between dev and ops, right? It's we've now we have DevSecOps, we've we had the security team, we've had the audit Ooh. compliance team, right? We had the test team. So we have, you know, if you look at the value stream, you know, got a business has an idea and it, how do we translate that into customer value as fast as possible? And, and the faster we, we translate that into customer value, the faster we can determine whether it was successful. You know, if there's, if we fail, the faster we can fail and learn, right? The faster we can pivot the faster we can bring new revenue streams online, everything is just, it's a big competitive advantage, right? But what we're seeing is, so it's, so it's a great broader concept uh, in, this, in this kind of value stream is that, what are the constraints? Okay, well, you can, you know, dive, double click into that. And first it was, well, it's dev and ops. And then we said, well, it's QA, it's security, it's audit compliance. What about sales and marketing, you know? So there's absolutely yeah. There, so there's constraints there too, you know. And so you can take this kind of model, you know, um, and and apply it, you know, across the 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 company. And people, you know, they are doing that, right? Uh, you know, organizationally, uh, breaking down organizational silos, uh, leadership. Uh, it, you know, removing constraints between sales and marketing and operations and finance, uh, you know, 
So you can sort of take these kinds of, um, you know, capabilities and best practices and, uh, and apply it organizationally, you know, across your company. And I think that, you know, to me, that's how I see it evolving. I mean, there's still like the, the, you know, if you double click down into like just deployment pipelines and stuff, there's a lot of stuff going on there with the, um, the sort of inter AI and ML and, and automation, right. Sort of yeah. converging, um, you know, so smart automation, you could automate things, you know, but if it, it's automating the wrong process, big deal. Right. Um, so, so I think that's, you know, key now from a, I think from a product management perspective, um, you know, I just think, uh, you know, you guys got to be so digitally aware, uh, you know, on, on social, you know, uh, just keeping abreast of things, um, you know, understanding what communities, you know, you need to be involved in and, and, uh, and, and, and your ear needs to be, you know, right up against the wall to those communities, especially like, um, like I, I work with now open source. We, we work with uh, open source communities of Spinnaker and Argo in our deployment area. You know, it's very important to uh, understand what are the conversations going on, mm. you know, uh, that's going to help you you know, guide, uh, you know, your solutions to, you know, over the next couple of years, um, you know, five years, God, that's an eternity. Who knows? <laughs> that's great. Yeah, thank you so much, Mark. And uh, this is the, the product in LA podcast. And uh, we'd like to, to keep a somewhat local love to, to hear your, the most LA thing that's happened to you product or not. Uh, probably I'll, I'll just, one of the best LA things I did uh, was uh, 1980. I held the Olympic short church. Oh, wow. As the runner was coming for the LA Olympics. That's uh, terrific. Were you one of the runners? No, nah, they, they ran right by my backyard. I was living in Sherman Oaks right off Sepulveda and they ran down there and uh, I just came down my backyard, told my parents and, you know, grabbed the torch and uh, took a photo and uh, enjoyed it. Oh, so, amazing. I love LA. Oh, me too. Well, thank you again so much, Mark. Uh, terrific hearing about, uh, I believe we had three laws. The first one is uh, don't be afraid to cannibalize your own product because yeah. if you don't, someone else will. Uh, number two, if you don't do your, if you don't do your job, someone else will. And uh, the third law Fail, oh, fast. fail fast. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Uh, also would like to thank our sponsors again, Uruit. That's U-R-U-I-T.com and P-M-A-L-A at P-M-A.L-A. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time on Product in LA. Okay. Take care, Ethan. Thank you, Mark.